Welcome to the College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. So we hear often when we're talking about the values that can come out of uh, college sports and the, the values inherent in a student athlete's experience, the notion of leadership and how there are skills that can be learned and developed and burnished through that college experience. And we thought we'd talk about it. And we found an exceptional man to talk about it with. Uh, Paul Whitey Capsalis was a, a soccer player at Indiana University, rose through the course of his career there, became a leader at the team. Uh, he has become a leader in various areas in his professional life. He has written about leadership. And we're happy to have Whitey here with us. Whitey, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jack. Glad to be here. Let me start off, because I think it's always valuable to people who are listening in us, to get a sense of who you are and your background and your experience. So I mentioned in your introduction the fact that you had played soccer at Indiana University, and people know how, how exceptional that program has certainly been over decades, indeed. But talk about how you got there and the challenges that you faced, first of all, deciding to go there as opposed to other places, and then when you did arrive there, the challenges you faced becoming a member of the team. I, I appreciate that. Um, it, it was not your traditional uh, approach. You know, when, when people on the surface hear that I played at IU, they assume that I was an All-American and full-ride and four-year mm -hmm. starter, and which is what a lot of those uh, players were and have been ever since. You know, Jack, it was interesting. I, I had a I had a goal when I got to high school to play college soccer. I, I knew I wanted to play college soccer, and I wanted to try to play Division One or at the highest level that I could. And the real premise for that was just because I simply loved the game. I didn't want to give it up after high school. So if I could continue it for another four years, that was my desire. And I had uh, an older brother that had played at Michigan State. We moved from Michigan to Indiana as a, when I was a sophomore in high school. And the coach there, based on my brother's pedigree, gave me an opportunity and a scholarship, small scholarship, to go back to Michigan State and play. And I was all set. That was my junior year. Mm -hmm. And my dream came true. Big Ten school, Division One. go back home to reunite with some of my friends. And, and then the fall of my senior year, I had heard uh, a little bit about this Indiana University soccer program. It wasn't very well known, but, I, but obviously living here brought me closer to it, being an hour and a half away. And I decided with a couple of buddies to go down there and watch a game. And that's when I fell in love. I mean, I was enamored with and infatuated with what was going on. It was in an incredible experience. It's still vivid today. The crowd and the, the, the new stadium, and they were state-of-the-art at that time for, for a, in, the, in the Midwest, especially for a soccer stadium. And I drove down to Bloomington and watched IU play and said, wow, what would this be like? What would this be like? And the dream began. Now, it, again, it, it wasn't easy. And, and, and fulfilling dreams often are not easy. And, Correct. And, and in some ways, that's what makes the fulfillment more meaningful to us. So you decide now, okay, I'm going to say no to this, the scholarship and the invitation to come to Michigan State. And we know as, you know as high school athletes, you'd love to be invited, but you'd love to, a school that really wanted you. Well, right? you want to be wanted. Exactly. Yeah, we still, do. And, yeah. and throughout our life, we always want to be Correct. wanted. So here you wanted Michigan State, but you say, but my dream is different. My dream is IU. But at the, initially, they weren't saying, Whitey, you're our guy. Correct. Come on here. How did that all play out? That was incredible. They were, you know, they were defending national champions. They went on to win it that year. The year that I went and saw them for the first time, they won their first national championship, which was 1983. So in the spring, I got the gumption to, to call Coach Yeagley 
I just figured, how you know, how are we going to do this? And and I think sometimes um, dreams can die quickly, and you're better off potentially, right? We don't know how this plays out, but I think I was maybe looking for an answer that would satisfy me as Michigan State is is the right place. And I called him, and he was very gracious and very kind, and he's a, an incredible human being. And he was generous and kind in taking my phone call, but was honest in saying, you know, I've seen you play. You're a nice kid. You're not the caliber of player that we look for here at Indiana University. We're defending national champs. We've got recruits coming in from all over the country. I appreciate your desire, but it'll never happen. You'll just never play here. I hung up the phone, and I knew he was right, and I knew that Michigan State was the place for me. And I woke up the next morning, and this little flicker in my heart was still alive, and I couldn't put it out. I just couldn't put it out. And that's that's the real cool part about dreams. If you let them play out and if you follow your heart and your soul, they, they can be very interesting. So a couple months go by and I, I call him again and say, Coach, can I, can I come down and have a meeting with you? And again, he was very gracious and, and uh, allowed me to do that. I figured maybe face-to-face he's, he's, he's going to have a tougher time saying no, right, <laughs> to this kid with big dreams. My mom and I drove down and I was scared to death and we walked into Assembly Hall, and he came walking out of his office, and it was about a four-minute meeting, Jack. And again, he just reiterated that you're, you're a nice kid, but you're just not of the caliber. You know, right. I'm short in stature. I'm right. not the most athletic guy in the world. I knew all that. But he, he, he opened the door. He said, but what we can do, Whitey, you know, we have tryouts. After mm-hmm. season starts, we have a tryout about three weeks in, and anyone can come to it. And you're more than welcome to show up for that tryout without any guarantees that anything will ever happen. In fact, the likelihood is is that you will not make the team. But that's when I can offer you. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I don't understand my mentality as an 18-year-old, but I, I took that as an opportunity. As, as So you're saying there's a chance. I kept the dream alive. Yeah, right. he did, and I'm so grateful that he, that he did that. And so how, Tell me about that. how that played out, because it, it as, as, you, as he said— it was a daunting challenge. There are a lot of guys showing up to, to this tryout. How did it work That's exactly out? how it went, went. There were about 20 of us, 21 of us, and I remember it was about a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And the first day was run by the assistant coaches, and it was it was a meat grinder. I mean, it was 2v2 and 3v3 and 1v1. It was just about work ethic and desire and a mentality uh, as much as it was technical ability. I think it was a test for... Who can go through this? And mm-hmm. and as I looked around, there saw some guys that I didn't think belonged there at all, and I saw some guys that, hey, you know, my odds aren't good. The second day, Coach Yeagley came by for the, the last about 45 minutes of the training session and watched us all get after it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the session, he said, as I told you kids, none of you were ever guaranteed a spot here. I appreciate you coming out. We have decided to keep one of you mm-hmm. who showed a little something to us, and he called my name. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I ran home and what called my parents. a great moment, huh? Yeah. I, they were halfway through their, you know, a third of the way through their season. I run home and call my mom and say, Mom, you got to come down to Bloomington. I made the team, and we have a game Friday night. I think I'm going to be playing. This is, <laughs> you know, why would he keep me if, right. if, uh, if I'm not going to be a factor? Yeah. So really kind of really uncertain of what I was mm-hmm. really getting into. But, again, the, I think the ignorance uh, was, was a, a benefit to me. Well, sometimes that's the great thing about being a 17- and 18-year-old young person is, exactly. is that you don't know what you don't know. That's and, exactly And you're right. able to sort of work through that. So what happens then? How does, the, how does the, the process over the next few years play out for you? Well, I show up to practice the very next day, and I didn't know what the term meant. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking out on the field, and, and 
Jack this feeling of, I, I can't believe that I'm here and I'm watching. You know, the thing I was enamored with really was the level of play and, mm -hmm. and really intrigued by what would this be like to be part of something like this, to see how champions win, what makes them special. Not only the coaching staff, but some of these guys that I had heard about that, that were now 10 feet away from me on the playing field. So I showed up to the first practice, and, and we wore red and white reversible jerseys at IU. That was our practice mm -hmm. gear, and you'd switch and as we switched teams. And Coach Ailey pulls me aside and said, Whitey, congratulations, we're going to redshirt you. And this is the honest God truth, Jack. I looked out on the field, and I said, I don't care what color I wear. <laughs> red or white's fine with me. That's how kind of ignorant this whole yeah. thing was. Um, so I redshirted that year, mm -hmm. and I was incredibly proud to be a part of the team. They went on to win their second national championship that year, which was 1983. I was, one of, I was the 35th man on a 35-man roster. I did everything I could to be a part of it, Jack. I, I, I moved goals. I fetched balls. You know, when they'd let me come into a scrimmage in practice, I'd, I'd do my best. I, and that's why I like to keep dreams alive because the closer I got to it and the more I got into the program, the more I fell in love. My intuition was right. It was special. It was an incredible place. And Coach Agley was right also. I wasn't as good as everybody else. I mean, the truth was, it was going to be a journey. He wasn't being mean to me or derogatory when he was sizing me up and telling me the, the truth. It became, it became obvious when I stepped out on the field. They were just bigger and faster and more experienced than I had ever dreamed but of it, being. But you found that that wasn't the end of your journey, just making the team. The, Correct. the journey continued. Yeah, you, you, you know, I had the gift of taking little bites at a time, right, and, and, and small little victories that mattered to me. So the, 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 the notion of staying on the team became, okay, that's the next step. Can I come back next year after we redshirt? And, and, and then someday can I make the travel squad? And someday can I come off the bench as a substitute? And someday can I travel? Mm -hmm. Or someday can I start? And... The, that's kind of how it played out. I redshirted that first year. The second year, I played mop-up minutes against uh, teams when we were winning 8 to nothing with two minutes left in the game. I'd, I'd get in the game. Uh, I looked at those things, though, as major, major victories, right? It, the dream was to, to play there someday mm -hmm. without a timeline, without any set parameters as to what this looks like. So the fact that I got to put on the IU jersey for two minutes against Northwestern in an 8 nothing route was meaningful to me. There's a part of you that might be embarrassed by that, but something inside of me told me that you're closer to your dream. Yeah. This thing's becoming That was an accomplishment, not something that should deflate you. Yes, yes, and I can see how it could work both ways, but for me, I had the gift of seeing it as a real accomplishment. I was told I'd never play there, and to put on the jersey was incredible. I'll never forget it. And by it. the time you were a senior? By the time I was senior, I was, I was, I was the, the mental attitude winner. I had earned a scholarship. I was the captain and the starting midfielder for the number one team in the country. It, it, it's almost like a Hollywood script. It's pretty special. Yeah. It yeah. Was, it's memorable and it's still palatable. Let's talk about what you learned from it, right? Um, in, in terms of leadership, I mentioned that, that, that you, you, you talk about leadership, you study leadership, you've written uh, about leadership. So let's talk about your experience as somebody who literally had to beg his way on, beg his way into a tryout, and then one of 21 gets on the team, red shirts, and, and struggles, but eventually becomes a starter and a captain of the team. What do you learn from that? What do you take away from that 
that you can pass on to young people today in, in terms of the notions, and we talk often about the values of a student athlete. What do you get? What are embedded in those values? You know, perseverance and teamwork um, and, and, and resilience and leadership. Yeah. So how, how do you look at your experience and how did that translate, do you think, in terms of leadership? Because, I, again, I should point, you're, you're made a captain of the team. Yeah. Under any circumstance, being a captain of the team is an enormous accomplishment. It, it, it Given is. your background, it, it, it's an extraordinary accomplishment. Thank you, Jack. And it, and, it's, and it certainly is a privilege for sure. I, I like to think as leadership as lead every day so that you can someday maybe be a leader. All right? So my approach as a red shirt, right? I'm not going to miss a training session. I'm not going to be late for anything. Uh, if, it's, if it's shagging balls that's required, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be certainly taking care of myself the best that I can be, fit and healthy and making good decisions and surrounding myself with good people. And then when it came to the team concept of being someone that contributes, and it doesn't mean you have to contribute with, with goals. Mm. You know, as a 35th guy, I can either be a real distraction on the end of the bench or I can be a real positive reinforcement on the end of the bench. I knew that if I didn't show up on that campus, they still win the national championship without me. I can't take any credit for what happened, but I was part of it. The privilege of that opportunity was up to me then to make the most of it and never go into the locker room complaining. And, you know, we had our moments, right, mm -hmm. because it's a tough journey. But on an overall basis, lead every day by taking care of yourself and by being a positive contribution to those around you to the greater good. And it'll serve you well over time. I, I, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be a captain someday. But if you just live with that simple philosophy of taking care of people around you and being kind and, and supportive and happy for others' success, that's a pretty mm. good leadership style. And you might be blessed someday to say, you know what, that was good enough. We'd like you to lead this group of young men, your peers. And, and that's how it played out for me. And then when I became that captain, I remembered, Jack, what it was like for an upperclassman to talk to me, right, for a senior starter to say something to me at the end of a practice like, hey, Whitey, good job today or great ball down, down the line that time. And, and the inclusiveness of what leadership can be. And when I was put in that leadership position as captain, I made sure that that 35th and 33rd and 28th guy in that roster felt part of something special at Indiana. There's, there's an expression I've heard often, and I, I'd like you to weigh in on it um, as to whether you think it's valid. Often, oftentimes, we'll hear people say, well, well, leaders are born. They're not made. Do you think that, that's accurate? I've always wrestled with that question, Jack. Um, I, I go both ways on it. I, I think that I think they are made. I, I really do, because I think we have a choice, right? Like if the situation I'm in... I could have easily chosen to pout and rot and try to drag people down with me when I didn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, it was a choice, and, and it's not the true definition of leadership in the context that we think of it. I was the, I was the last guy on the roster, but what, my leader, what, what, what I could bring to the table was some gift of positive energy and reinforcement. So I think it is... I think it is learn. I think that you can grow into it to being a leader, especially when you follow your passions. When yeah. you're passionate about something, it's so much easier to, to, to lead and, and want to be uh, an influence of some sort, whether from the bottom up or the, or the top down. So 
I think maybe we have innate characters that we're born with, but we've mm -hmm. got to be able to tap into them and, and realize them and, and really be passionate about what we want that experience to look like. Kind of goes back to what you said a few moments ago, and I loved the expression where you said you, you, you have to lead every day so that someday you can become the leader. Yeah. Is that the, the, that's sort of what you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, I, I do. I really do. I, I, I just think, again, by, by being present, by being active, by participating, can bring a lot to an organization or a group of people, uh, as opposed to the opposite of, woe is me. You know, I don't really matter right now. When, And the mistake that's made is when I'm named captain someday, then I'll start acting like a leader. And, and I, I, I don't believe that that's the way the process should go. And I firmly believe that the only way that Yeagley named me the captain, uh, I call him Coach Yeagley, sorry about right. that, but yeah, Coach yeah. Yeagley named me the captain at the end was because of all the things I think I had done for the first four and a half right. years. I don't think overnight I just became this guy that he thought might be a good captain. I think I had proven that over the course of time in the way that I conducted myself uh, on a daily basis in terms of, again, rule following and treating others with respect. And another thing, Jack, is that was interesting for me, an interesting dynamic. You know, every year they bring in top recruits, and just because you're a junior or senior doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, they're investing in new kids. And I had the gift of literally getting as much joy out of the success of others as I did my own successes. And I'd say that by I never compromised my own successes. I wanted to be a part of something big. I wanted to be a starter. I wanted to make an impact. But I didn't wish everyone, all 34 guys, broke their legs so that mm -hmm. I could get my chance. And it was an interesting dynamic. While I'm cheering these people on, it's costing me my position. That's a, that's a leadership style that is that is very unique, but I think very, very healthy within an organization. I'm reveling in the success of others. Yeah, yeah. I was. I'm able, I'm able to do that, and I'm still able to do that. I, you, I want to ask you. you, you you've written a book um, about leadership, and 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 in it, um, it you make reference to a, a Greek term um, representing a kind of a state of mind, mm -hmm. an approach to life. Tell me about that. Philotimo. Yeah. Yeah. Philotimo. It's. I'm. I, I am Greek. My mm -hmm. my four grandparents came over to Greece from Chicago where my okay. parents were born and it's it's a it's a way of life Jack it's it's I'd like to think that I live that way I think that's a bold statement mm -hmm. because it's a very deep cultural it's a hard translation into the English language how we even define what philotimo is it's a way of life it's an it's honor and doing the right thing honor in the way you treat people on the way honor in the way you conduct yourself honor in in the respect for the greater good uh, it's it's a really powerful way of life. It's it's servant leadership on steroids to the uh. to the degree that you would give your life for somebody else if it if it meant that that would make them better off. And in Greek heritage, you can you, you Google the word and it's there's a documentary about what it what it really means. So I remember it was after college. My mom I'd never heard the word before. It was about ten years ago, and my mom mentioned philotimo. What's philotimo? She and it just kind of resonated with me, like, wow, I'd love to be like that. I think I've got some attributes that, that fit into that, but how can I live that way every single day? And it goes back to the same thing. Lead every day so that you can be a leader right. someday, right? Be engaged with your children, with your wife, with your organization that you work for. It's, it's not an on-off switch. It's a real intimacy, transparency, vulnerability that, that is passionate about where you are in the moment, 
at all times mm. and thinking of others first. Pretty powerful. It is. Whitey, it's a, also a powerful success story. I think your story illustrates how success as a student athlete doesn't necessarily mean minutes played or goals scored. There are so many other realms of success there. And, and I think your path to leadership and the advice that you have to others in terms of a path to leadership uh, is it, certainly in, inspiring. Whitey, thanks for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. I enjoyed it. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. You'd be well. Thank you. That does it for this edition of the College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA and Champions Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Look forward to talking with you again real soon.